Hey, everybody, this is Election Insider Podcast with Richard Barron and my co-host, Gary Vaughn. He's ah. at the Daily Stock Picks Podcast. We can both be found on Twitter at Richard Barron 2 and also uh, Daily Stock Picks 3 for Gary. You do anything fun this weekend, Gary? Mm, watch football, went for a hike. It's probably about it. Oh, I watched the MLS finals. I know you're a big soccer fan. Um, oh, yeah. Philadelphia, God, they got behind like in the 60th minute or 50-some minute at, to uh, to NYCFC. And it was like had, the, the, yeah. They laid a beating on them right after Four. that. Scored three goals in just in what, within maybe 10 minutes. Two yeah. Like with two minutes apart. I was back and forth. I was back and forth between um, that and NFL. And every time I turned on Philly, like to, you know, started scoring. But but the the match I was more interested in was the LAFC versus Austin. Um, yeah, and that doesn't the, look like it was that close. Uh, I think it was one nothing or two nothing. It, three, essentially, three was zero. it three? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, once uh, LAFC scored, they just kind of sat back and and took their chances. And it, it, I mean, it, I, I don't think it was unexpected for them to win. Gareth Bale uh, didn't play. I mean, it's almost like he's not good enough to play in the MLS. <laughs> well, I, I, the only reason I cared about it is because that that determined where I was flying. So I found out at like five o'clock last night, uh, six o'clock last night, that I had I thought I was leaving today. But I'm actually leaving tomorrow. MLS said, "Yeah, you know, don't fly in until Tuesday." Their stadium staff is uh, setting everything up, so I'll be out in LA. Um, if anyone wants to stop by and threaten my me for being a friend of an election <laughs> elections <laughs> official, That's I'll be cool. at the MLS finals. <laughs> That's cool, though, that you get to go to all these cool events with that job you do. Yeah, it 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 will not make you a living. Uh, you know, it's, it's a cool job, but it is definitely something for a retiree or somebody who has the ability to just pick up and go to different places. Like I'm working in December, I'm working the Miss America pageant. <laughs> oh, wait, they still do that? Didn't Trump they do. That? Didn't last Trump- year. Well, last year was my first year working it and it's at the Mohegan sun up in Connecticut. And, um, they couldn't find a, uh, NBC, I think, has the rights to it, and NBC didn't want to put it on the um, the network, so they streamed it on Peacock, and there were some production issues and things. So it'll be interesting. I I I had not heard anything. They had said last year we're going to hire you back. I hadn't heard anything, and then like two weeks ago, my boss says, "Hey, they asked for you specifically. Do you want mine going? Uh, can you show up?" So. Yeah, is so that, I'm going to that one. Did Trump used to own that one? No, that was the Miss Universe, I think. Oh, um, okay. Which somebody just bought, I read in the news. But I, I don't follow – I'm not a pageant guy. Um, I love flirting with the pageant moms and doing all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. But uh, but it, it's definitely a fun job. MLS is probably the most fun out, out of the group that I work with. But Miss America is right behind. I, I I like working with everybody that I work with. I uh, well, I went to a wedding with my girlfriend on Saturday night. It was like a Turkish Persian wedding, 
And the music to dance to later was actually really good. I mean, I had I had fun. I'm not much of a dancer, but I've gone to two weddings with her recently, and I've had so much fun dancing. But the um, that music, there were some live drummers that came out onto the floor and were doing some like Turkish dancing um, with everybody. That was kind of fun. Was the food um, good? Yeah, the food was even good. Yeah, it was it was a good actually overall it was a pretty good event. There were a lot of uh dentists there cuz the <laughs> two people that got married were both just I think both of them are in residency for, you know, after dental school for something else. One of them's going to be an ortho and the other one's in a general dentistry uh residency. But I this weekend I I responded to this tweet and, you know, talked about that I had left elections because Trump and his supporters hurled death threats and harassed me. And I finally I just said I left my job because he used state local election officials to harass um, more. And so this lady gets on. She replies. Her name is Mishka C at zero zero. M-I-S-H-K-A-0-0 on Twitter, Mishka C. And she wrote back, it's unbelievable that you would blame Trump for walking away. You obviously weren't there in heart or you would have stood tall. Instead, you quit. That's what the people don't want a quitter. That will come back and, and you, that, will come back and blame someone else. A fighter wins either way. You tapped out. So this lady, she is a anti-vaxxer um, because there is this thing going around uh, on the internet about vac- more vaccinated people are, have died than unvaccinated people. And the reason why is it it does show recently that the vaccinated over the last few months have died in more numbers than the unvaccinated. But that's because the one thing that this thing, this graph doesn't show is that it doesn't show age. And there are people, old, older people that are at higher risk are dying still. Vaccines don't. The thing that gets me about these people that have politicized the vaccines is that vaccines are not there to, I mean, they reduce the likelihood you'll die and they reduce, right. they reduce severe infections. The flu vaccines do that. Many of the vaccines, it depends on what kind of virus it is, whether it can like if everybody gets vaccinated for polio, it goes away. But now there's a bunch of unvaccinated people up in New York and now polio is appearing again. The unvaccinated are getting measles again, and it's going through the Hasidic Jewish community up in New York because they haven't got vaccinated but if you go get a vaccine, the chance that you're going to die is less. If you're older, like a senior that's very old, 
you're going to die more. And now most people are vaccinated. So these people, they latch on to something that and they manipulate it for their own purposes. And Mishka C does that along with some of her buddies. So I just wanted to mention mention her. Um, I'm looking for Mishka on your your Twitter. I can't seem to find her, but I I don't want to find her. I was going to respond to her. um, And then I just said, you know, it's it's not worth it. Uh, Yeah, she I mean, a lot of these people with (laughs) if you're on Twitter, I mean, you and I obviously have our faces out there on Twitter. Um, You know, people can find out who we are, where we go, what we do. but the reality of it is if, you know, and I think this is part of what Elon wants to clean up on, on Twitter is they hide behind these, these kind of fake profiles and they throw and honestly, Rick, that could just be a Chinese person sitting there who got paid by the Republican party to say, Hey, disparage this guy and disparage well, anybody that, that has anything to do with this. Do you, um, well, Elon Musk, retweeted some conspiracy about Pelosi's husband the other night. Yeah, it and, was from a um a paper called the Santa Monica News or something that has some far right um conspiracy theory stuff. He he wound up deleting the tweet. Um and it was crazy, but Pelosi's husband, I mean, I don't care which side of the aisle and everybody on both sides of the aisle has come out and said there's no place for this. You can debate I have friends that I debate with all the time. We're not killing each other. We're not, you know, trying to f- force violence on the other side. Um, well, the but this only- guy, he seems mentally ill. Yeah, he seems mentally ill. And the other thing is, I, what I pointed out on Twitter is that there are people like Ted Cruz got out there and said, you know, violence of any kind is abhorrent and this shouldn't be happening. Uh, my wife and I are praying for uh, Pelosi's husband. And on Twitter, I just said, you know, I I tweeted at Ted Cruz and I said, nobody's going to buy your uh, half-hearted apology and you will not denounce the violence of, of January 6th. So until you do that, your apology rings hollow. The other thing is, but then I also pointed out that Christina Pelosi, uh, Nancy's daughter, when after Rand Paul got attacked a few years ago, she um, she said like celebrate this. She celebrated <laughs> it on Twitter that he got the crap beat out of him by his neighbor. So Rand Paul said, you know, I this is horrible what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband, and. But unlike his daughter, um, I'm not celebrating this just because I disagree with him politically. And maybe she should watch that. So, you know, these people on one side or the other kind of forget that what they what they've said in the past. And, you know, I think you got to point out when both sides do things like this. Well, and and what people have to understand is, you know, we're, we're a collection of people. 50% 50% believes differently than you do. Doesn't mean you go out and you, you force violence on them just be, because if, if Ted Cruz were my 
um, representative, I wouldn't vote for him. 100% I wouldn't vote for him. But the people in Texas seem to like him. I mean, he went ran against um, Beto and uh, he won. I mean, you know, the, the, there wasn't election deniers there. You know, when, when, when he won against Beto, he didn't say, hey, there, there's a, uh, you know, conspiracy um, against Beto. But right. Um, yeah, they all won their own elections. Yeah. That, that was all great with them. But then, yeah, the Trump election somehow was rigged. Well, and, and, and that brings me 60 Minutes last night had a fantastic. Uh, if you just Google 60 Minutes, um, let me see the actual, it's called Election Deniers Running for Office and Allegations About 2020. Uh-huh. Essentially, it's all about Arizona and the attorney, the, the Arizona Republican Attorney General, um, how he's denied uh, the 2020 elections with Trump and says that there is still uninvestigated um, uh, ballots and, and, and kind of corruption in that 2020 election, even though his own party, who have the representatives in office, who both uh, are not running for re-election based on threats, um, you know, they, they didn't, they, they weren't exact. I, I don't know if they were actually voted back in or if they left for threats, but they have that as part of the thing. But this guy, when confronted with, uh, he confronts Scott Pelley with the allegations of voter fraud. And Scott Pelley says, uh, the, the, the numbers that you're talking about, this guy makes it sound like it's a whole big conspiracy. And Scott Pelley says, well, it's four, four ballots. And these four people that brought four ballots um, to the election boxes that weren't theirs, they were helping out other people. It wasn't a mass thing. They've all been prosecuted for it. They all said we didn't know it was illegal to pick up my grandmother's ballot, drop it off in the ballot box, uh, things of that sort. And, and this guy continues on and and points to a Gmail uh, that he received, an email from a Gmail account that sent one email and has since then belie- been deleted and was anonymous from some strange, strange name that nobody can find, who says that there's a lot of uh, corruption in this election that you'll never find. And this guy tends to believe the email, even though everybody in power doesn't believe the email. Now, what the story points out that's scary is that this is the guy running for attorney general right now. And in in red Arizona, most likely will win. Right. And he has the ability without evidence to overturn the next election. So should a Democrat win? This guy can point to absolutely no evidence or anything and overturn the election. And it's never been done in the United States of America, but this guy has vowed to do it. So that's what's dangerous about electing officials in. And, and the, uh, the, governor, uh, the governor's race with the Republican who's, who's actually leading, uh, she's a denier as well. So with the two of them in power, you can almost guarantee that, that uh, Arizona will stay an absolute red state. And the problem with that is, you know, there, there's middle of the road type people like you and me who, hey, we may not believe. And, and I go back to Felix with the open election stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I, I wish we had. Writing. Yeah, I wish we had that. I think Arizona would look like a different, a different um, state. If you had yeah, that. I wish we would do that along with open primaries where just 
They put all the Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians all on the same ballot and the top two go to the general. Because then you have to, at that point, appeal to more voters. And I think it would get, you know, you would hope that it would get the extremists out of there or and you'd, you'd be electing moderates more since you would have to compete for everyone's vote in the primaries. It wouldn't be these districts that are so safe, uh, especially, you know, or, or the statewide offices and to the U.S. Senate, you wouldn't get these extremists that are not going to work together once they get to Congress. But and, and know, on that, oh, go ahead. No, I, I, but what I was going to say, it, it's dangerous, even, you know, the gerrymandering, because if if the people in power are able to write the lines of their districts, they're going to stay in power. Yep. So uh, along with Felix, if I were uh, running for office, uh, I would say along with Felix's open voting kind of thing, um, I, I would say term limits would be the next thing. Because, yeah. you know, honest, honest to God... At this point, the only people who want to stay in power are those that are power hungry. Yeah, and you see it on both sides. Um, when they they, you know, why is Mitch McConnell? Why is Nancy Pelosi? Why are these people at their age? Why is Joe Biden running for president of the United States? Again, the age makes a difference. And when you're in your seventies, getting closer to eighty, you don't represent me. You know, right. you don't rep there, there, there was when the founding fathers set this up, I think they were all in their forties and the life expectancy was like 50. Mm-hmm. So they were considered elders, but you know, at 40, you and I both know the mind, the mind works a little bit different at 40 than it does at 50 and 50. It works a little bit differently than at 60. And you know, at 70, it works differently. Some 20, I, I talk to 20 year olds on my podcast all the time. In fact, it was funny. You responded. I, I posted that the Spotify told me that the average listener to my podcast listens to Drake and Kanye. Oh and yeah. So I, I got on there this morning. I said, which one of you bastards listen to F and Kanye? Cause I don't listen to Kanye. And I said, I don't know why you guys listen to me because there's no similarity to me and Kanye at all. And I asked people to kind of, you know, and a couple of people on YouTube live this morning said Kanye's out of his mind and, you know, he's just got good music. So maybe they just like to try listening to it. I don't get what, what. But see, Rick, see that's the great music. thing. That's the great thing is that you don't get it, but, you know, 20 somethings do. Yeah. You know, you were talking about these, these people that are going to get elected or they could get elected because 170 of the 177 people that Trump endorsed went on to get GOP nominations. And there was an article on Yahoo News this morning about constitutional sheriffs. The constitutional sheriffs movement urges law enforcement to intervene in the election process. This was written by Caitlin Dixon. Anyway, there's so there's, there's this constitutional sheriffs movement. It's a growing coalition of far-right constitutional sheriffs sheriffs who are gearing up to insert themselves into the upcoming elections. And she said that in recent years, self-appointed constitutional sheriffs have refused to enforce various laws that they deem unconstitutional, from state and federal gun laws to pandemic-era 
mask mandates. And now people are saying that these, these constitutional sheriffs and peace officers association and protect America. Now they've aligned themselves with that group. We talked about in the last podcast through the vote, that conservative monitoring group, who's all their claims have been discredited. And they did that, that movie that's been discredited 2000 mules, (laughs) but they, they, these, this campaign that they're on calls on all the sheriffs to supposedly, um, use their authority to investigate and intervene in administration of elections using a variety of questionable tactics from surveying, surveilling polling stations and drop boxes to potentially seizing voting equipment and deputizing citizens. And they've also aligned themselves with the Oath Keepers. This is kind of a scary thing, but some of the sheriffs are saying, look, We've been asked to provide security at polling places, which we did here in Fulton County. And yeah, they, you know, they were helpful in that regard. And we even had sheriffs with another in, uh, individuals that we appointed to do ride-alongs with them that would grab the bags, the sealed bags of, uh, what are they called? The media cards that would come in, the flash cards that had the... Mm-hmm result had the they came out of the scanners from all the ballots that got scanned and this guy the sheriff richard mack he is aligned with the oath keepers paramilitary group he was the founder of constitutional sheriffs and peace officers organization and he's turned the association into an unusually successful extremist group and through outreach, speaking engagements, and law enforcement trainings, has managed to create a constitutional sheriff's ecosphere, ecosphere or movement centered around the thesis that the county sheriff is the last line of defense against government tyranny. Now, I don't know how many sheriffs are brainiacs, um, but I certainly don't trust county sheriffs to be the line of defense for democracy. And a lot of them now believe, I mean, if they're, if they're allied with through the vote, first of all, they've got issues, but another one, Mark Lamb, and he's with, uh, he, he joined forces with through the vote to, to create protect vote. And it's to provide sheriffs with information, resources, and tools to support election integrity in their county, they're wanting to they're wanting to investigate election claims. And in Kansas, they're trying to do it. The Kansas Secretary of State is like saying, wait a minute, you should do not reply to any any requests from the sheriffs in the 151 counties uh, for these requests. And he's also saying that there was no voter fraud in the 151 counties. His name okay. is Scott as, Schwab. As an elections official, former director uh, of elections for a county, did you ever have contact with a sheriff, uh, meaning asking them for uh, picking up ballots? I mean, I, I read parts of that, that, and I'd be more interested in what was your interaction 
with sheriffs or law enforcement he during would, elections? We would coordinate with them for election night. Uh, we would get, we would have at all of our check-in centers where all of the, where some of the supplies and the, the flashcards would come in that would have the results. They come in in sealed bags. Those are then transferred to a sheriff's car. We would have people that we had appointed that were either from IT department at Fulton County or people that worked for us. They would ride with the sheriff, so there would always be two people. They would relay them from the check-in center down to the election preparation center where we would actually tabulate the votes. And then we also would would coordinate with them to provide polling place security and early voting and election day. Now, all the sheriffs, you know, the sheriff's deputies and, and the sheriff were always cooperative and we didn't have any kind of crazy sheriffs like these guys sound like. I mean, well, what it, kind it, of sheriff is, is allying themselves with the Oath Keepers? Who, I, who are I, part I, of the, the insurrection or coup attempt, whatever you want to call it, from January 6th. Oh, I would argue that. By the way, real quick. Oh, go ahead. I would argue that they're they're already from what you describe. If other elections officials in other counties are coordinating with them like that, they're already protecting the elections. Yeah, they are, and they don't need to be going in. That you know, when they're when they're assigned to a polling place, they're to stay in their car in the parking lot. They aren't supposed to go in and show themselves inside a polling place, which could. Some people could, uh, you know, accuse them of, of trying to intimidate voters if they're doing that. And they just yeah, and it, they're just supposed to be outside uh, available. And the way the atmosphere is, we actually do need uh, officers in the field in case something happens at, at one of these polling places. And we when I voted last week at. Uh, Adams Park Library during early voting, there were, I went in there and there was this kind of creepy old looking guy in this little poll watcher's booth where they can stay. And now this is an all black area of town down in Adams Park. I'm sure you, you know of it, Gary. And a few years ago during the 2020 election, we had a bunch of these uh, poll watchers out there that were doing this same stuff, but they get out there and they start taking what happened this time was they switched out two of the scanners, which they do on occasion. If they aren't working properly, they'll bring in new scanners. They swap them out. Well, whatever poll watcher was there sent out the alert and they all of a sudden had people descend on Adams park library, a bunch of white people. And they start taking pictures of all the voters and their car license plates. And then they go in and start complaining to the the poll workers. So after I voted, one of the ladies recognized me and she came up and started talking to me. And she was talking to me about what was going on there. And so when I turned around to leave, she, the, this guy was he, he crouched down and hid. Like when I started walking back by, he was like laying on the floor in this little booth. And I don't know if he was trying to hide himself from me or uh, he's some kind of weirdo. But I didn't see any officers out there is the weird thing. 
And they were supposed to be there at that site because of this harassment. You know, I, so there were, I didn't see officers at at my place in um, Smyrna either. There was a, the guy who was in charge of gathering everybody in line was actually ironically in a wheelchair, a scooter. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there was violence that went down, there was nobody there. Well, when I was on Anderson Cooper's last Thursday night, uh, one thing that I talked about, he they were talk. He asked me about security at polling places, and I told him, you know, because and federal money. There's lots of federal money available. I'd never heard that the Department of Justice or the Department of Homeland Security were offering money through grants for security. But what we did, and which I mentioned in the interview, which I posted on my Twitter feed and LinkedIn feed, is that we had we got grants from Center for Tech and Civic Life, which had no strings. It was just a one-page application. They would disperse the money. We'd receive it. Of the $10.8 million we received, 900000 of that went to security to hire police officers to secure all of the polling places and also our offices. And, but the, the federal money has all these strings and a lot of people at the county level or even the state level, they don't want to deal with the strings that, that uh, the federal government puts on that money. And so most of the time it just sits there going unused, which it's going to this year too. And that, that's actually a shame because there's a lot of people that could use the money to update their physical security. In addition to hiring these, these, um, police officers to scout the polling places. And so uh, I don't know. It's just, it's concerning that some of these things are, are just seem to be creating more problems than, than what they're supposed to, they're supposed to solve problems. Yeah. Um, there's another group out there and I, I don't get this. I listened to it on, a public radio station. This thing was posted. It's WESA dot FM. And there are people out there who are appointing they're appointing poll chaplains to try to reduce tensions. Now I'm unsure how it's called Faiths United to Save Democracy. And I'm not really sure how this is going to help or solve anything. First of all, depending on what state you're in, these poll chaplains that they're appointing to go to these polling places, they can't go in the polling place anyway. In Texas, the only people that can be in a polling place, for example, are either the voters, the poll workers, children of the voters, or poll watchers. No one else can be in there. These poll chaplains are not going to be allowed in any polling places in Texas. Now, in Georgia, they could come in because you can have poll workers, you can have poll watchers, you can have voters and the children of the voters. But then there's this whole category that isn't in the election code where it can just, or it basically says public observers can go in. Well, I don't even understand what the purpose of these poll watchers are that are appointed by the parties when anybody can walk into a polling place in Georgia and observe. You could end up 
with a hundred observers at each polling place that are just crowding in there. But the observer, if I if I remember correctly about law, the observer can't wear any para, like propaganda no. on their shirt or anything. They'd get kicked out if that were the case. Yeah, it's called electioneering if they do that. And I, there's a funny story I have where when I was working in Williamson County, Texas, we had this we had this early voting election judge. Somebody walked into her her early voting site, the, this election judge, and she was wearing a shirt that said, vote the Bible with a big check mark. The poll manager or, or election judge interpreted that mean to vote Republican. So she asked her, she said, you're violating the electioneering portion of the election code. You need to either turn that inside out or cover it up. I don't remember what she did, if she covered it up or turned it inside out. But she and then she voted. As soon as she got out, she called the local Fox station. And then I got a phone call saying that telling me that this happened. I had to support my poll worker because I wasn't there. What she described, you know, at, at the time, the way she interpreted it. I backed up the poll worker and I just said, well, I don't know what vote the Bible means, but based on your interpretation of it, you know, and and the, it was already the situation had already happened and there was no way to resolve it. And then so it went the county judge then also backed up the poll worker. The county judge in Texas is the the head of the it's the county wide elected position that runs the commissioner's court, the county commissioner's court. Then the secretary of state's office, the secretary of state herself backed up, backed me up, the county judge up and the poll worker. And she was Republican. But then there was some group that got involved and they used it as a fundraising tool (laughs) They put out a call all over the country. So we started getting just bombarded with this call from evangelists just saying things. One guy called up, you know, he had that Southern accent, and he goes, I want to come down there and punch you right in the nose. (laughs) That was like the, you know, I I say, people ask me, have you ever got harassed any, any way? That's the closest thing was the guy who wanted to punch me in the nose. I I played that voicemail for I don't know how many people and we got the biggest kick out of it because it's just the way he said it. I ended up emailing that out to pretty much everyone I knew. Well, listen, punching you right in the nose is different than, you know, filleting your family or, you know, coming and shooting you. That's an old guy who, you know, is just angry and is never going to do anything. It's different than the threats you received over 2020. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, so it, it comes down to this thing where it's like, I don't understand what the deal is with these poll chaplains. I think it's just a wasteless, it's, I mean, it's a useless effort, but I guess it'll make some people feel better. The other thing I wanted to talk about today was, well, Connecticut has on their ballot, they're considering early voting on their ballot and voters of color 
say they think it would help them. I think early voting is is great because you can give people a long time to vote. They can vote anywhere they want in their county or their township, whatever it would be. I think I think I can't believe I can't I can't believe there's four states in this country that don't have early voting. I don't, I don't know why either. I mean, I think I think New York just is getting it for the first time this year because they never had it before, and it's it's ridiculous that because it it reduces lines on election day, and plus voters have more satisfaction. It's reported that voters ha- are more satisfied with their voting experience when they vote early because they're picking the day the time and where they want to go. Whereas on election day, they have to go to their precinct during that allotted 12 hours. And regardless of the line, they have to vote. Voters tend to complain more on election day than early voters because they don't have that choice uh, on election day. They, they, ha- well, they can choose their time, but, you know, so it, it reduces line length. And, and, Elections, it's Tuesday. So, you know, A, we're a more mobile society, and I'll use me as an example. I didn't know I was going out to Los Angeles until last night, and I'm there. um, You know, I could have been there through Election Day. And if I didn't have early voting, I wouldn't have had the possibility to apply for an absentee ballot in the meantime. Mm -hmm. So I might have lost my opportunity to vote. And, And again, the article kind of points out, um, you know, people in power have historically wanted to keep voting to themselves. Yeah. So, you know, early voting in my mind helps the working people of America. If you've got a job, most likely you're working on a Tuesday and we, we don't want election, election day to be a national holiday. At least I will say one party does not want it being an, a national holiday. There's right. another party that does want it being a national holiday. And if you don't want it to be a national holiday, that you know, Connecticut's a blue state. That's what shocks me. I know. Is, you you know, think they would be more progressive. Yeah, crazy. Uh, I saw that article in the show notes, and I was like, "Oh my god!" When in you know, we're talking about turnout. Like, nat, whether if it's a national holiday, you would you would, could have more turnout. Um, hopefully. I mean, I don't know how much it would increase turnout if it was a national holiday, but it would make it easier for people to vote on Election Day. And, you know, when you you talk about candidates that lose races. And if there's like 65 percent turnout, 40 percent turnout. Even 70 percent and a candidate loses and then starts whining and blaming other people, my thought has always been. Well, it's up to the candidates to generate the turnout. It's not for the election offices to generate turnout. What the election offices are there for is to facilitate voting by providing places and providing the workers and the infrastructure for people to vote. And I'm going to harp on Stacey Abrams again for a minute, just because she she whined so much about after 2018 about losing and blamed camp for voter suppression and that's why she lost but if she would look at all the people that didn't come out to vote why didn't she inspire more people 
to get out and vote for her. It's her fault. She needs to look in the mirror. Now, Kemp, I don't agree that he was suppressing the vote. There was a law on the books that that required there to be an exact match, and he didn't put this law into place. The legislature, he was Secretary of State at the time. The legislature, so he has to enforce whatever laws are on the book as Secretary of State. It's He's legally bound to do it. There was an exact match. So if somebody registered to vote and it didn't match what was in the Department of Motor Vehicles information, then it would go into this pending status. Now, when they're in the, voters are in that pending status, they can still vote. But when they get to the polling place, they had to show ID that verified who they were. They would then vote and they would come out of pending status. So those people weren't being suppressed specifically by Kemp to keep them from voting. But one thing that Kemp did right before the 2018 election was like two days before he accused the Democratic Party. He said, we are going to investigate the Democratic Party for for trying to hack into the voter registration system. He didn't have any evidence that that investigation went nowhere, but he tried to take the focus off that exact match issue in order and and in order to deflect from his own problems and that's why he accused the democrats of trying to hack in and you know there the other thing about voter suppression is we we got accused of voter suppression at Fulton County that election because it, and I, i've said it before my entire staff was black my elections chief who was in charge of assigning the number of machines per precinct, made a mistake at Pittman Park. There were two precincts assigned there. One had about 700 voters. The other one had, I think, 2,800 voters. When he was combining, he only grabbed the voter voter registration number from the smaller of the two precincts assigned to Pittman Park. He didn't add them together. Somebody else proofed it, didn't catch it either. So in the spreadsheet, it would automatically assign a number of machines to a polling place based on the number of registered voters. So he assigned three to that polling place. So on election morning, we get complaints about this line at Pittman Park. I remember this. finally figure out that the num and they kept saying there's only three machines and we're saying are you sure you aren't talking about three check-in stations I'm like no we only have three voting machines so we figured out why only three got assigned we sent eight more out there as soon as they could get out there it was out there i think we we prepared them got them out there before noon or maybe 11 a.m. that morning and it was not Voter suppression. I mean, I had black staff that came to me and said, why would we try to suppress the vote in a black area of town when all of us are black? I, well, I, re- I remember yeah. I remember all of that being claimed. Um, and I do remember it. And I, I kept thinking to myself, imagine if Hillary Clinton actually won the ele- you know, won that election. Well, Trump this went was back in twenty. This was twenty eighteen. This was the when Kemp the and, when Kemp and 
uh, Abrams ran against each other. And okay. she, she and her group, which ended it was fair fight, they complained about this. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, your explanation makes sense. Complaining about it makes sense. Um, but yeah. it does show you. It was human. I, I think it goes to show you there are better ways of doing things that I think uh, election officials, because I can almost guarantee you, and, and I, who is it? Mark Benihoff, who is the CEO of Salesforce. Salesforce is a, is a, um, a data software company, mm-hmm. and they have figured out how to do things better in almost every industry in this country. Except and I guarantee the voter registration system for Georgia. Well, and I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they could figure this out. And, and data, there's power in data. And so, you know, I, I do think the United States is the greatest country on earth when it comes to software and, and, and creating services and things of that sort. I think at some point the politicians, I mean, you can, all of the, um, the, the, the IRS, the stuff that's going on with the IRS, with the additional agents and stuff, mm-hmm. rather than hiring the additional agents, I mean, it's great that you give people jobs and I think that's fantastic. But in reality, and I talked about this on my show, I think within 10 years, you're going to be in automation hell where half the workforce in this country um, probably is out of a job. And where are they going? Because the reality of, of, of it is, if I as a business owner, uh, you look at robots, Chick-fil-A is having robots deliver your food to you now. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I had a meeting with um, a guy who uh, is setting up it's basically the size of a very large like office desk. Uh, and it's a pizza maker. And you basically pour flour, water, sugar, yeast into this pizza maker. And somebody on an app can order a pizza and it's made for them within 10 minutes. And it tells them when they can pick it up. So on the app, say you're in an airport. And, and you know, real estate in an airport is typically expensive. That's why a banana in an airport costs $10. Um, because the real estate that that store is providing uh, and the airport charges, it's super expensive. So the uh, all the way down the line, the middlemen have to make money. Well, imagine if you could set up a pizza store with the size of your desk and, and you didn't have to staff it and it was open 24-7. So you didn't even have to you know pay for anything other than the flour, the sugar, yeast, and dough. Um, and, and tomato sauce and cheese and whatever toppings you have on there. And, and this like robot makes the pizza. <laughs> and it pops it out. And, and uh, I think he was saying like, we can program it so that every hour it makes a fresh pie. So if you want just one slice, we can heat that up 30 minutes. You can set it up. However, the, um, the, um, the, the, the food storage uh, is applied in your state because there's state and local kind of County laws on, um, cleanliness and things of that sort, but you can set it up. And he said, we can do anything that you want. The big part was we just pour the ingredients in the back and then the robot knows exactly how to make it. And he said, it's 99.9% exactly the same. So kind of wrapping that into your head in politics. Well, if that's the case, look at all the drive down any place in America and tell me there's not 10 to 20 pizza stores on a major like thoroughfare. Right. Um, because pizza, the margin in pizzas is like 95% because you charge $15 for a pie, 
but it costs you less than $4 to make it. And the majority of that $4 is actually in labor. Imagine if you could take the labor out of that and it only costs you 50 cents to actually make a pizza and you can still charge $15 for it. I had a friend. So I, I kind of go back to, you know, to wrap that around politics. Well, you know, th- there's always a better way and, and the automation is going to be the better way. And at some point in time, we've got to open up our eyes and realize that elections will be made better through electronic software systems. And so when yeah. you talk about a, 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 a um, you know, polling place, not having enough, enough election machines, well, shit, the biggest election machine in my, uh, in my pocket and almost everybody's pocket is a mobile phone. And if mm-hmm. I can check in via GPS and you can check my ballot and I can print it out via my mobile phone, you no longer have a problem with your, uh, your election machines. So at some point, somebody's going to get into power and realize there's a better way. Yeah, and I made a snide comment about Salesforce when you were talking about it. And I, they probably, I mean, they were they were contracted to come up with a new voter registration system for the state of Georgia. Oh, were they? The problem was, yeah, and I don't know if it was their issue, if they overpromised when they could deliver it or the Secretary of State had an unrealistic timeline, but they were supposed to have it implemented for the primary election. It still isn't implemented. And therefore, it, it it will get put into place next year. It's I don't know if it works still, but it'll come in, which is really they should never have tried to get it in, cram it in right before a primary election, because there were all kinds of data issues when, when they exported it over and then they had to take it back into the current system. And so I'm sure Salesforce will end up doing a better job than the company that built the other one in 2012, because that one was apparently was hard coded. So it was really difficult to make changes uh, once you when you have a hard coded software system. The other thing I wanted to talk about, though, with regard to voter suppression was that same election in 2018. We have we had a couple polling places over at Morehouse. Uh, more and it, so that serves that that Morehouse College, the Spe- Spelman College, and Clark Atlanta. The voters over there are mostly almost exclusively students. A lot of them were picked up by people in vans who had the good intentions of taking the students at one of those one of those places to vote. They didn't happen to ask the students, where are you registered? A lot of them were registered out of state where they live with their parents. Others were registered in other counties in, in the metro area. And so these vans would pick them up and drop them off in front of a polling place. And they say, you can go vote in there. Well, they wouldn't be registered to vote in those places. So there got to be these long lines because these students demanded to vote provisional, which those activists told them to do, you ended up having all these students out there complaining because they were their their right to vote was being hindered because they weren't registered to vote at this polling place. On election day, you have to vote at your polling place. And some of these students tried to vote during early voting and were told, you aren't registered in Fulton County. They would ask them where you where they lived. Oh, well, I'm registered in Connecticut. Well, you can't vote here if you're in Connecticut. 
So they needed to register to vote ahead of time and they would get pissed off because they they couldn't vote. I understand them being frustrated. They're college students. They probably hadn't voted before. So they don't really understand why they can't just walk in somewhere and vote. And there's no same day registration in Georgia. And we got accused of trying to be of suppressing the vote when it when it had nothing to do with us. And we had to keep those polling places open until 9 p.m. that night, which gave us bad publicity because you have activists trucking people around. One of my board members, she was her his daughter was registered to vote in Gwinnett County. And she called him and said, I just got dropped off here in front of um, at Washington Park High School. And he's like, you're registered in in uh, Gwinnett. You can't vote there. Well, she had to Uber to Gwinnett County to vote. And he said, you know, I don't know how many students went there to vote like that and then were turned away. And when you have to vote provisionally, it takes seven to 10 minutes to process a provisional voter. It's not like going in, checking in, going over to the voting machine right away. And so if you have, you're overloaded by provisional voters who are ignorant of how the system works, that's going to happen. But, you know, Abrams and other groups accused us of trying to suppress the vote. In well, and for, for anybody who hasn't found, for anybody who hasn't voted provisionally, that process does seem like you're uh, being questioned. <laughs> yeah. Let's no, and, yeah, and it's an onerous process to go through. But, you know, at least it allows somebody, if they want the satisfaction of saying, okay, I cast a ballot. Now, they'll get a letter a couple of weeks later that says, oh, we, we determined that your your vote doesn't count because, and it would give them a reason why the ballot was rejected. But most of the time it's because they're unregistered and that's just the way, way it is, uh, you know, but I always, you know, and again, it was my staff would say, why would we try to suppress the vote of those college students over there? Just didn't make any sense, sense to them why they were getting accused of that. So I guess. You know, that's pretty much all I had today, except I, I last night I went to HBO to watch another episode of House of Drag, House of the Dragon. Isn't that what the <laughs> new Game of Thrones one is? I, ha- I haven't started, but no, no spoilers. I won't, but I, I thought it would be 12 or 13 episodes. So the, last week was the season finale. Yeah, I think I, it's only four. I have no clue. Yeah, and then there's this other show on Disney Plus. You know, they're starting to run all these Star Wars shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but I like all those I shows. Have. Andor, have you seen Andor? No, I don't. The only streaming service I don't have is Disney Plus. I, I, when I go home to New Jersey, um, my parents have it, so I tend to well, binge. I, I subscribe to ESPN to watch MLS, which is now moving to Apple Plus next year. Apple Plus like every, next year. Every game will be on Apple for ML, MLS. I don't think very many people have Apple Plus. 
But. Well, and it, it won't. It, here's the thing: my understanding of it, and it's very limited because I haven't talked to the. M- I'll talk more to the MLS guys this um, on this trip. But my understanding is, you don't necessarily have to have Apple Plus. It will be on the Apple Plus service, but it will still be an add-on. So you'll have to pay extra. You don't need Apple Plus for it, but it's going to be like a subscription service that's on the Apple Plus service. So. For instance, people logging in through Amazon or through um, uh, through Roku, they mm-hmm. can get the Apple Plus there. And then to get to your subscription to the MLS, it will be through that Apple Plus service. But you don't need to be a um, paying Apple I, Plus. I think it's going to just ruin the, tel- the, the television access. Well, if you watch – if you watch Major League Baseball on Apple, they don't do a very good job. But really, the one, yeah, the one thing they do, um, they have a lot of money. Yeah. So they'll they'll get it right. It's just going to take some time. Well, anyway, so Disney Plus has these Star Wars things. They had a series earlier this year called Obi Wan. This Andor one though is really good. I mean, I like animated Orion. No, no. And the guy who was in, did you see Rogue One? Yeah. Okay. It's the same characters. It's five years before Rogue One. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that Gail, oh God, I can't remember his name, but the the star of that, I think he's a Mexican actor. He's in this along with some other good actors and actresses. And I mean, I'd highly recommend anybody to watch and or on Diego Disney. Luna. Yeah, Diego Luna. Yeah, he's he's very good at it. It gets uh, into some some of the personal lives of how they live in this. It's unlike any other series that's been out there. I mean, you hmm. it it it's really, uh, and I guess it got renewed for a season, second season already, but. I liked Obi-Wan. I'll binge it while I'm uh, checking in people for Miss America. I was doing Uber this morning, and I all of a sudden felt like I had something between my my teeth, my yeah. two of my front teeth. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I texted my girlfriend. I said, I need to come by to get some dental floss. So I go in there, and I she gave me the dental floss, and I did it, and I was like, yeah, I got it, but still feels like there's something. She goes, you probably got calculus. So she looks on the back of my bottom teeth. She goes, God, you have calculus. You're so disgusting. When you know my girlfriend. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so she, goes, she goes, come on, I'm, I'm going to, my next patient isn't here. I'm going to scrape some of this crap off. So the entire time I'm in that chair and she's scraping. He's like, God, you're disgusting. Look at this. And you kiss me with this mouth. Oh, my God, this is disgusting. And then so she finally, she pulls out this stuff and she keeps wiping stuff. And she would show me every time, look at what's I on. Know. What is on this tooth? So does she do that when she cleans you? I, t- I tell you what, she, she cleans she cleans my teeth. And then she starts screaming, Gary, you're bleeding like a virgin here. <laughs> she I'm like, told me that this morning, too. <laughs> I think she's got this. She's got this roster of dental humor that she just loads up on everybody. <laughs> well, I, I was like, 
I said, did you, do you talk to all your, I mean, she's cleaned my teeth before. Usually she uses that high pressure water thing that just, yeah. but this time she's just scraping it. Cause I don't think she was going to have to, and she just cleaned my teeth like three months ago, but every single, so she starts wiping it on this cloth. It's a little like gauze strip or gauze pad type thing. And she goes, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe this on your face since you wiped that mouth all over me. <laughs> So I, I told her, I go, I'm going out to complain to your front desk after this. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody... I think I, 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 I think I wrote a Google review one time. <laughs> I, I didn't actually post it. I just, I think I sent it to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. She's funny. Anyway. All right. Do you have fun on your trip to LA and we will sign off, but also subscribe you're doing some stuff with um, some news media while I'm gone. Oh, out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Saturday, I'm going to interview Mark Nisi of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And Swiss, a Swiss evening news show, and I think it's GRF or GRC is the name of the Swiss channel. They're coming in to talk to me about House Bill 2. I mean, Senate Bill 202, which was what Georgia legislature passed a couple of years ago that has some voting restrictions in it. I think it was called the Elections Integrity Act. They're going to talk to me before uh, Election Day, and they're going to also cover Mark and I doing the podcast, and you won't be here for that. And then I also, a Belgian TV station is coming in, is going to talk to me this weekend, too. Uh, and Axios uh, yeah. was supposed to call me today. They contacted me yesterday to ask if they could talk to me about my podcast. So I was like, sure. And then, yeah, I was on Anderson Cooper last Thursday, but I didn't get to plug the podcast on there. Yeah. Although CNN did contact me and said they're going to try to get me on as a contributor over the next couple of weeks. So. I may be. I think with the election, yeah, I think with the ele- with the election in Arizona, I think you've got an opportunity to get out there in the news specifically because, like I said, if if these sheriffs are um, are actually like protecting the ballot boxes, and I know the court said that they could continue to do that in Arizona. From from my perspective, you hold a a, a unique perspective of how do you work with the sheriffs? How should you work with the sheriffs? And how close should the sheriffs actually be to voting? I, I and, and we went over it earlier, so I don't think you need to answer it, but I think getting on CNN and kind of, you know, discussing that type of thing, you know, Axios and all of those new services. Um, I think you provide a, a pretty good view of that. Yeah. So I'll record another show this week and then I'll do the Saturday show. So we'll probably get three shows in. I might bring somebody in to co-host in your place while you're gone. Because uh, I don't think you're going to have any time, so I guess that's pretty cool. I hope, hopefully, you'll have fun out there. You get to go in and watch the game, right? Uh, I get to watch the second half of the game. The ticket window, the credentials office is open until halftime. So, do you? Um, is there a TV screen in there, or can you not watch? Yeah, usually they, they. I mean, it depends on the stadium. The stadium. I haven't been to this stadium. It's at the um, LAFC stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, which is rather new. So I would assume we're in pretty good quarters, but usually if there's no TV, I've got my iPad and I'll just plug that in and I can stream because 
one of the requirements that we have for setting up um, the credentials office is wireless service, Wi-Fi. So either I've got a hotspot or something like that that I can always stream on. I want Philly to kick their ass. I don't like LAFC. And Philly's actually, you know, they are a team that runs people out of their academy and then sell them overseas. They're really good. They have the best academy in L- uh, in MLS. All right. Well, and I, I was told, by the way, and you can confirm this, that the LAFC fans are the uh, Raider fans of soccer. Oh, really? Um, I so. I haven't heard that, but I, you know, they being a Timbers fan, I'm never really too impressed by anybody. Although I I have heard that the Austin FC has a really good atmosphere. But I I that's the stadium I was rooting to go to because I I I I kind of read up on the Austin folks and I I, I like the stadium, um, but yeah, we get to go to LA. All right, subscribe, share, retweet. I'll be now uh, once I get this posted. And that's it. I guess we will sign off. See you later, Gary.